Hello and welcome to Tree Speech, a podcast where we tell our stories one tree at a time. I'm your host, Dory Robinson. There is perhaps no tree more revered than the mighty oak. There are countless myths and symbols associated with this tree. The oak is linked with the most powerful forces in Greek, Roman, Nordic, Slavic, and Celtic folklore. As an enduring emblem of strength and survival, oak trees were declared America's national tree in 2004. They are also the national tree of England, Estonia, France, Germany, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Wales, and Serbia. As a deeply beloved tree around the world, it's the perfect one to explore as we commemorate Earth Day. The brainchild of Senator Gaylord Nelson and inspired by the protest of the 1960s, Earth Day began in 1970 as a national teach-in on the environment. Earth Day now focuses on climate and environmental literacy and activism around the world. We are fortunate to have the perfect guest to celebrate Earth Day, a true world traveler, Nave Cohen. Though young, Nave is already a man of many lives. He was born and raised on Kibbutz Ramat Yohanan in northern Israel. A kibbutz is a collective community in Israel that was originally based in agriculture when they were first established in 1909. Neve has done some farming in his day, but most of his early adulthood was spent as an elite triathlete representing Israel in championship races around the world, including Croatia, Singapore, Turkey, France, and the United States. He retired from his athletic career at 25, moving on to acting school at the prestigious Beit Svi, the School of the Performing Arts. He has acted on stage and in several commercials in Israel. Throughout all of this, he has been a budding educator, leading Israel trips for college students. In fact, Neve and I met while I was leading a student trip to Israel many years ago. In this first season of Tree Speech, I'm interviewing people who have had an impact on me as an artist, an educator, tree lover, and person. While last week's guest, Dr. Nancy Smithner, met me as a student, Neve knows me as an educator and traveler but more specifically, an educator and traveler in Israel, which is an important part of both our identities and stories. I fully realize that Israel is a difficult subject. Every day we're flooded with devastating political news from that region. And yet, Israel is a very large and wonderful part of my family tree and personal history. So I have a unique perspective of both the beauty and strife of this complex land. For me, it is a place of intense duality, struggle and inspiration, tension and joy, a divided land that often makes me feel whole. It's complicated and challenging, to say the least. Neve and I continue to explore the theme of duality throughout our conversation today. Before we begin, we're going to take one deep breath together so that we can feel as grounded as the trees we discuss. Taking a deep breath in and letting it out. Nave Cohen, we are so happy to have you here with us today. Just seeing your face every time, it's like we've never been apart. So tell me a story about your favorite tree. So my favorite tree is an oak. In Hebrew, it's called Alon. And I went on a hike three weeks ago. And in the middle of the hike, 
I was by myself because I always start with sunrise. And after one of the curves, I saw like a very, very like a slope and then a vast meadow. It was beautiful here in California. But on the top of this cliff was an oak and it was there by itself. So I was, okay, forget about the camera, forget about my drone shots. I'm just going to go to this oak. And I went there and I sat on one of this, its branches and I stayed there for the rest of my hike. I, forg- I didn't climb up all the way. I just, I couldn't. I just, it had life. The shape, the energy, the story. So oak, this is my oak. Oh, that is your oak. You know, every time I, I go on a hike, I end up hugging at least one tree. And a friend asked me once, how do you choose the tree? And I said, the tree chose me. That oak chose you. For sure. I would like to say we, we chose each other. We all know that harmony is the answer, right? We're all part of something bigger. So, yeah. Absolutely. You haven't been in California long. Where did you just come from and where are you now in California and what brought you there? Okay, so the reason oak is my favorite tree is because the landscape where I'm from is filled with oaks, all kind of oaks. And I am from Israel, from the northern side of Israel, in a small place called a kibbutz. I was born there and I spent there my first uh, 29 years and I just moved to California. And it's interesting because in America, we really think of oak as this very strong tree. That, that's a big identifier for oak is that it's, that it's very strong and it can, with, can withstand quite a bit. And when I think really? of Israel, yeah. For me, it's the opposite. For me, I always see oak as a, has a soft image for me. From the name in Hebrew, is like, the name is like um, almost like a melody, alon. It starts open with A and you go to L, which is always sounding nice to L. And then it starts with own. And you always, it sounds like I'm always a, a melody. And every time I see it, I see it in, in shapes. The shapes are always curvy and beautiful. And most of the trees we have are always green, right? So they don't have fall. So they're very stable and you can always rely on an oak. And then, you know, all the history that my land, the land of Israel has. And you look, about, look at the tree and you like, think, oh, my God, there must be so many people, generations or generations who saw that oak and maybe used it. And maybe other than sat there, they ate from it, they used their, its shade, it was their gathering place, they made fire out of these branches, so many things from one oak. From one oak. On or around your kibbutz, is there an oak that is that you've spent a lot of time with? Yeah, you're going to make me cry. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, last year, I I work at the avocado fields, right? I was a farmer. Over our hills, where avocado are, there is is a hill that's called the White House Hill, and there is nobody there. It just stayed stayed as an open natural area. And right there, again, on the top of a hill, I have no idea how they do it, but they just get there somehow, oaks. There's this one oak. It's called uh, uh, Oak of the Tavor, Alon Tavor. It's a special region in the north. And uh, I remember that this year was challenging for me after acting school. And I had so many me processes going on. And I love to say it went there just after work, sit there and process whatever. Just 
stay. So this is my special oak. That is really special. I think so many more people ever since COVID began, so many more people are going outside and seeing how special it is to just sit with a tree. But that is something you've always known. Yeah, but uh, the credit doesn't, it doesn't go to me. It goes to um, my mom, probably. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mom, she is the connection between between me, the ground, and then me and what's above us. It's always, it always has been this way. It's a pretty incredible connection. She always had this feeling with spirituality. So growing up, it was never about a religion, but there was a sense of just something bigger and then there's something greater and then it can't be everything about us. We are not the issue. Okay, so there was the above, right? There was the above. This hum- just stay humble and remember that it's not about you. There's something bigger. And then what connected me to the earth, to the land, to the soil, is the fact that we would always go on trips and she kept looking around and see all those things that's going on. And she made me, you know, walk with her in the garden with the flowers. And she, yeah, she gave me all those kind of quizzes about animals. So it was always about nature with her. So it's a very good balance between what's under, right, the roots of the oak, and then the branches, what goes up to, or is no limit towards what's above us. That is so beautiful. What a good mother. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> what's the name of your kibbutz? Remind me. Okay, you want the Israeli version or the American R? <laughs> Israeli, please. <laughs> I'm from Ramat Yohanan. Have you had to adjust your accent in America? Have you been made oh, yeah. to I do mean, an American R? I mean, I bet you you hear some accent. You're not sure what it is, but it's a very weird mixture of Israeli and then everything I try to be while well, I can't run away from my Israeli identity. That's very hard to not operate in your native language. Yeah, it is. I mean, especially for you and me, we are artists and we're all about expressing. And then if you can't express yourself in your own way to be free and liberal with your words and thoughts to be able to deliver them as you really want i can you guys can't see it but dory is when she speaks about something that matters to her she puts her hand on on our heart and then it means that it's another expression right another way to express but i can't express myself fully with english that's why i feel a little bit you know limited i understand As you know, I have a deep love of travel, and I deeply feel the importance of travel, especially to be a better citizen of the world. But it is hard when you are not a polyglot, fluent in a million languages. What's a citizen of the world? It's a a term I'm trying to understand lately. What do you mean by that? So a citizen of the world, to me, is a person who feels connection to other individuals despite borders. And with that connection and curiosity also understands that there is an obligation and a responsibility. Yes. There is a song in Hebrew. It says, we are all one human tissue. And I think that's what you're referring to.
Let's talk about roots a little bit, because for a man of 30, you've lived some distinct lives. You grew up on kibbutz, then you were this phenomenal triathlete, moved on to a career as a phenomenal actor, and somehow find yourself adjusting your accent in L.A. So let's talk about the roots and how you made it from roots to trunk. Wow. You know... (laughs) Life is so unexpected. I have no idea how I just... It's always important to go back, to go back to the roots, to go back to where you grew up, to to what what you were brought on, right? What's your real mission in life? And that's what I had to do after acting school. What is the real root? Like not what the branches are, not what the leaves like, but no, something that is rooted, nothing can touch it. It's uninterrupted. And this is where you got to go because this is regardless to the weather. It's regardless to whether someone itched their name on the, you know, on the, on the tree. So then I figure that my biggest passion is people. And more than that, my biggest passion is the Jewish people. So I got to do something about it. And I think going back to the roots is close your eyes, take a breath. Of course, it's a metaphor, but you get it. And then like the answers will appear. They will come from the roots and will climb up to every single leaf, every branch, every bird on that tree. And from there, that's it. Yeah. So so to tell people at home, can you give us sort of a brief synopsis of your life as an athlete, the transition to life as the actor, and then we'll continue with the life of this much more rooted man that we know now? I started when I was very, very young, all of us, all the siblings. I have two uh, sisters and one brother. We all were swimmers, right? Six years old, our dad was like, okay, jump, swim. And then we just swam. And that's what we did. And I got better and better. And I was like, okay, let's do triathlon. And then the next step was, oh my God, I'm Israeli champion. And I'm really a swimmer, but I did triathlon on the side. So I might as well do it full time. And then when I'm 15, I was like, okay, there's a boarding school for sport sport excellency. I'm going to do it. And then I moved there. So I was I, I was given this special status in the army called rewarded athlete. It's only one person each year in one sport. And in 2009, it was me because I was the Israel champion for youth. And I was like, okay, let's give you a chance. And what you would do is you represent Israel. Okay, you would represent us overseas, go to the Olympics, do whatever you got to do, and your army service will be just education, six hours a day. That's all we demand. Okay, sweet. I did that Israeli team, European championships, um, travels around the world, races in the States. Okay, done. Did all that. Injury came. Oh, I was injured. But moving forward a little bit, I had a job offer in Singapore as a triathlon coach. I said, okay, fine. I did that. It was amazing. I was like, no, I got to learn something. I can't start my career without any degree. So I went to economics and management. Year of uh, 2014, I tried that. It didn't work up well because it wasn't my passion. And I have to stay loyal, right, to my passion. So I took a year off. I did all kinds of things. You know, 24, you 25. You remember that age? You just try everything. <laughs> It's limitless. What were the top five things you tried? Top five. First, I learned how to play drums. Two, I traveled everywhere I can. Three, I dated so many girls. I was like, well, let's just date. I didn't do it when I was an athlete. This is a good time. Four, I volunteered. And then five, I was exploring my passions. What brought me to acting school just a year later. 
That is the thing about being an artist is that we can try the steady job. We can try to do something that's reasonable and makes sense. And yet... No, it's not what we meant to do. We meant to... I had a, I had a director who once said um, that science is the Bible of knowledge and art is the Bible of heart. So it's in between, you know... Your brain, thoughts, fine, but your heart, emotions. And my experiences with theater is you really have to know yourself extremely well. And it is also about how you connect with everyone else. And then my experiences working in the Jewish community and working as an educator is it's the energy is much more going outward to other people. Has that been your experience? And, and if so, how, how has that been for you? Acting school, I'm going to be very honest with you guys, were the three most challenging, hard, sometimes depressing years of my life. It was not a positive experience while I had it at the time. Of course, after that, it was all for good. I realized the lessons I had to learn. I could only learn them if I had this such a, ah, like total experience. What you have to do, as you said it, is you have to get to know yourself, your vulnerable places. And last but most important, you have to be able to show it. You have to be able to want the, to show with the world your, your ugliness, your stupidity, your vulnerability. And I didn't, I didn't want to do that. I was like, why? Why would you think? I can, I can act, you guys. Okay, acting school. Remember, act. I'm going to pretend. And I was like, no, no, it doesn't work that way. Humans can recognize when something is genuine. And if you want to trick them, this is not the place. You got to show them vulnerability. And I didn't like that idea. And that was I was fighting. I was fighting against myself. I was fighting against myself. I just didn't want to, you know? Of course, no one wants to show the quote unquote bad parts of themselves. No one wants to present themselves as weak, as less than, especially in a world that is so presentational in the world of Instagram. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, we, we want to show perfection and you're right, theater is, can you connect a heart to a heart? No tricks. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I asked my teacher, I was like, okay, okay, Greece, right? Well, it was born. You, would ha you have this huge Colosseum or whatever that is, amphitheater, and people sitting like 300 meters, and they see this one, no screens. They see this one person talks. Forget about the mask. Okay, let's say it was without the mask. How can they tell what? He had what he's going through. How can they possibly tell? They can't see his eyes. They can't see like in, you know, in movies. They can't. So how? And then he told me, when something is genuine, you can see it for miles away. And I was like, what? Explain to me. Explain to me. I came from economics and management. I was an elite triathlete. Okay. I need facts. I need numbers. I need proofs. And he's like, no, I can't. You just hear it in his voice and you see it in his body language. And this is how we were programmed. Do you remember the moment when you started to believe that? Don't laugh. But it was four months after I graduated. I believe it because you, these aren't lessons you can learn all at once. I had to give up on my, my ego or my will. I wouldn't let anyone to see my, no, I'm good. I'm not there. I did so many things in my life. No, this is a presentation, as you said. You're much more than that. You're not only this poster boy. You're not only those what other people want you to be. You're everything. And once you will accept 
those other sites, as you said, quote, bad, they are, are actually not bad, but we call them bad. Until you don't accept those, you will not be whole. You will not be complete with yourself. And what other reason there is, what, what's better purpose than to be true with yourself? In your thoughts, it's only you. It's only you in your heart, in your mind, in your dreams. So this is the huge lesson I had to take. You took that lesson, you processed it, you thought, what really matters to me? And what came out was connecting with other people. What is that transition? What's that been like? You know, I don't think it's such a big um, gap in between education and art. I think art is there to connect people, to make this bond, to make us all one human tissue, as we said, the beautiful Hebrew song. But it's it's the same purpose, it's just another way. And then it was very easy for me to do this switch. Okay, I'm going to connect you guys by feeling something. Okay, and then I have a say on stage. But then how about we just do one-on-one talk and we can, you can express, I can express. We will find a mutual ground and we'll grow from there. There is a very fine line in between art and education because they are both about the human spirit, the neshama, the soul of a person. And I think that's part of the reason why for us, art and education are constantly interwoven. I know, I know. It sounds, when I see your posts on Facebook, I know, ex- I, even though we don't talk for a while, I know what she's going through and I know where you're coming from. I just know. Ask me how? Well, we are made of the same thing called. <laughs> <laughs> we were made of the same tissue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have this conception and in America there's this conception that this tiny acorn builds this very 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 strong oak and to you oak is very has a softness and a sweetness to it two different things in two different places very different there is a I don't know if you guys know but here in California there is the white hills okay it's in the middle it's not the north it's not the south of California it's right somewhere in the middle and right there there is the oldest tree alive they called it Methuselah. And uh, the reason they say it is because he was there from the beginning. He was there before the pyramids. He is here for so long. And then I had a student who said uh, here in the Hillel, she said, what connected me to Israel was when I went there for the first time and I just picked a pomegranate from the tree. And I was like, tell me more. Well, I was just, I thought about it. Maybe some other one of our ancestors do this, did the same from the same tree. I was like, this is crazy. You know what? This sea has seen so many people. You're so right. They have much to tell us. It is an incredible thought to think who has walked these steps, who has climbed this tree, like you said before. I have a question. Do you have the, in America this story called the generous tree? Oh, we do. I Well, if it's what I'm thinking of, we have the giving tree. Is it about a little boy that yeah, goes maybe. to? Yeah, yeah. So the little boy goes to the tree and keeps asking for things and the tree keeps giving until she's a stump. Is that the same? Right. So I I mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I have trouble with this story because I don't feel as though the relationship is mutual, you know? I don't think the relationship is completely mutual. I don't think that the child has as much love for the tree as the tree does for the child. It's a bit of a conversation for me. It's interesting. When I was young, I had the same thought as you. I had the same, that's wrong. Well, it's only like one-sided relationship. How come? 
and I haven't, I've never solved that. Well, maybe that's what we're doing now is trying to be that little boy and caring for the tree because the trees have always cared for us. Mm -hmm. But how do we do that? That's a big question. How are we a river? How are we letting things come and go? How are we not only one side? How are we let people come in and then let ourselves go out? And be vulnerable. Yeah, and exactly, exactly. Oh, yeah. They would, they would never come in if you're not opening your heart, which means being vulnerable. That's the thing about love, right? I guess why I called it the giving tree in translating is so, I don't know, generous tree, giving tree. I think the word give, give in Hebrew is Natan. And Natan is, you can write it, read it the same way from the beginning to the end and then from the end to the beginning, which means it's both ways. So giving is both ways. doesn't matter where you come from. And then love is, is to give. And then why? If you give something to someone, let's say you build a, your own Lego thing, okay? And you'd give a, a kid, okay, good job. You just did this Lego thing. Now I'm going to take this away, okay? And I'm going to bring you a brand new one. It's exactly the same, but somebody else did it. Would you like that? Or would you like the other one more? Of course, you would like the one he built. He put some effort. He thought about every single part. Why? Because he gave something from him to that thing. doesn't matter if it's the same thing. And then your mom is the, right. They always say mom have the ultimate love. Why? Because they gave you the ultimate thing. They gave you from their own flesh. They carried you for nine months. They thought they, they raised you. They did everything for you. So I think love is to give. You and I, Nave, we're going to check in with one another and make sure that we're staying vulnerable and open. Wow. Yala. Amen. And then inspired others. Nave, what a wonderful, wonderful conversation with you. <laughs> Let's close by taking a deep breath in and letting it out. It is always a joy speaking with Nave and hearing his perspective of the world. And now for today's tree takeaways. This week, it's all about oak. European cultures have long held the oak tree in high esteem. The Romans dedicated it to Jupiter, the Greeks to Zeus, the Nordics to Thor. Each of these gods controlled heaven, rain, and thunder, which is especially interesting given that oaks are struck by lightning more than any other tree. While this is partially due to their size, it's also because oaks are thirsty trees and absorb upwards of 50 gallons of water a day. They have a deep central root as well as hollow water-filled cells that run up and down the wood, making them good conductors and grounders of lightning. It's no wonder that they are associated with strength and endurance. In Republican Rome, a crown of oak leaves known as the civic oak would be bestowed on those who were victorious in battle or who had saved the life of a citizen. Oak leaves have continued as decorative symbols in the military to this day. The oak tree is considered the most powerful and sacred of the trees to the Celtic peoples who practice their rites in oak groves. In fact, many people say that the word druid comes from the Celtic word for oak. There are countless stories about specific oak trees. To name just a few, King Arthur's Round Table was said to have been made from a single cross-section of a large oak. 
Notre Dame's original roof had so many oak beams that it was often referred to as La Florette, or the forest. It will take 1,000 oaks to replace all the beams lost in the tragic fire of 2019. The Emancipation Oak in Hampton, Virginia, was the site of the first Southern reading of President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. There are around 800 species of oak trees that fall into two categories, white or red. White oaks have rounded leaves, while red oaks have pointed ones. A mature oak tree can reach around 148 feet and live anywhere between 700 to 1,000 years or more. It produces about 10 million acorns, which are fruit, not seeds, during its lifetime. Why so many? Because only one in 10,000 grow to be an oak tree. Oak trees support a complex ecosystem, providing food and protection for an enormous diversity of species. Birds, bears, people, caterpillars, spiders, squirrels, the list goes on and on. So many gain so much, all from just one tree. Nave is a person with great range. He moves fast, and yet he's able to pause and reflect. He's young, but wise. He's an athlete with an artist's sensibility. Much like the oak, which on one hand is considered strong and mighty, but on the other, soft and protective. Nave reminds us that we are made up of multiple ideas, strengths, desires, and depths, sometimes in opposition, and therefore need to take time to find quiet, take a breath, and listen to our intuition for answers. Tree lovers, what makes you stop in your path? What things have you encountered that make you rearrange your plans? One of the ways the Greeks received prophecies was in the sound of the wind against the oak leaves. You had to stop, be quiet, and listen. It's incredibly hard to do given the pace of our daily lives. But I wonder what we would all hear if we took the time to listen to the wisdom of a tree. The song Nave referred to is called A Single Human Tissue by Moti Hammer. The word for human tissue in Hebrew is rikmah. The beauty of the Hebrew here is that there is another meaning for the word. Rikmah can be translated into English as tapestry or embroidery. I keep thinking about this concept of rikmah, an embroidery, how it maintains the uniqueness of each thread, each strand, while at the same time validating that we are all inextricably intertwined. This week's episode was recorded in Massachusetts on the native lands of the Wabanaki Confederacy, Penacook, Massachusetts, and Pawtucket people, as well as in California on the lands of the Tongva peoples, and was produced by Jonathan Zoutner and a Light Theatre Guild. Logo designed by Mel Riot. Please join us for the rest of our spring season as we continue to hear more about various trees from various voices. Learn more about tree speech at treespeechpodcast.com and on Instagram with the handle treespeechpodcast. Thanks for joining Tree Speech today.